Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn here, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and want you to know that we're committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so through a variety of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors and offering trainings on trauma healing groups throughout the country. You can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now today I'm welcoming to the show a power couple, a husband and wife team who are doing some amazing things for the kingdom. Ty Corpy is a pastor, missiologist, and researcher currently serving as the church planning commission coordinator for One Hope and lead researcher of the Digital Mission Consortia at Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. He is the Affiliate Assistant Professor of Christian Leadership at Fuller Theological Seminary and Adjunct Professor in Theology and Mission at Asset College. Todd and his wife, Tara, have served as pastors throughout the United States, and his work has been featured in publications as the Outreach Magazine and ChurchLeaders.com. Now, Tara is also a powerhouse. Now, I had the opportunity to speak with her at an event, and she has done a lot of work around helping marriages to grow, prosper. She is doing some dynamic things for the kingdom of God, and I also want to highlight her, her calling and her work, because this is a topic that we're talking about today in terms of women in ministry and leadership in the road that is so difficult for us. And so I can't wait for Tara to also join Todd on the show as she shares her story, her journey. And we're going to talk about an incredible topic today, which you'll learn more about in just a moment. So I welcome Todd and Tara to the show. Hi, Jocelyn. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this issue, more so passionate about it's probably the right word, because I know how difficult it is for women in ministry to break through glass ceilings that should never have been there in the first place. And so I really want to start this interview off by asking Tara a couple questions about her journey and growing in ministry and some of the struggles that you encountered along the way. Yeah, I went to school. Um, I went to a Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and um, I went with the intent that I was going to be a woman in ministry. I was going to change the world. I was going to pastor with or without a husband. I did not go to find a husband, and I made it very clear, like, I am here to pursue God and God's call on my life, and um, that's actually where I met Todd. And part of the the thing that attracted me so much to him was he championed that. And so we just jumped right into ministry from Bible college. So we left in 2008 and we stepped right into a ministry position. And we were there um, for two and a half months. Um, I was brought on as a youth pastor and he was brought on as a children's pastor. And it came out that there were issues that some of the staff were having with having a woman in a position of authority. And we went to a very egalitarian school. So I was told like, you can do anything. There's nothing you can't do. God has called you. He has a call on your life. Like there's nothing you can't do. So when we stepped into an egalitarian church, we assumed that they had that same thought process and that same theological stance and that same practice. And what we realized was they had the same theological stance. They didn't have that in a lived out practice. And within two and a half months, the senior pastor brought me into the office and said, we're having issues with some 
some of the men on the staff and frankly, I'm tired. I don't want to fight this battle. So you can either step off staff or you can become your husband's secretary. And it was just the most like mind blowing conversation to have. And that was like my entry into being a woman in ministry was that was exactly you know, my welcome. When we were, you know, trying to figure out what we were going to do, our next stop was like, well, maybe we pursue ministry at home, or maybe we go back, you know, to his hometown or my hometown. And what we found was that there was, there was a lot of churches that had a lot of theological belief that women can do anything, that they are called by God. But what we found was that the men that were in charge, either one didn't know how to empower women well, that there was maybe some underlying patriarchy, and or they said that with their mouth, but they actually did not believe in women in ministry at all. And so um, they were just trying to kind of sound equal. And, um, and, and both were true. There were some that just genuinely like really wanted women to prosper. They just didn't know how to empower. And as a result ended up, you know, just disempowering and kind of being, being a force where I felt like I had to fight to even have an equal say at the table. It spiraled me quite a bit. You know, there were, there were points where it made me question, like, did I hear from God? Because I'm, I don't know if I'm really hearing what God is saying. Maybe, maybe everyone's right. And maybe I shouldn't be in ministry or maybe my voice isn't valued. Maybe what I'm saying isn't valued. And I actually went in this like spiral where there was actually a period of time where we were on staff at a church. And I told Todd, I said, I can't, I I can't even go because I just, I'm feeling like people are standing in my way that they don't want me to be there. And it really put me into a place where I had to really seek God and and find my security in him and not in the validation of other people. And that sounds so much easier than than what it is when you are daily having meetings and daily encountering things that feel like there's resistance there, whether intentional or unintentional it can trigger and it can be a source of pain and it can be a source of trauma. And I I found myself having to walk through the process of if one person did something, it didn't mean that they had the same intention of somebody else who may have done something with a bad intention. And so having to work through that and wrestle through that was really difficult for me. And, um, And then Todd had to kind of watch that journey unfold and be an advocate for me. You know, there were times where I think he advocated super well and um, the difference that that actually did make in in the situations that we were in. Wow, that's so tough. And I want to highlight that you said that it was traumatic. I don't think sometimes we realize how deeply we're injured when we're mistreated in church, especially when we're trying to enter in our call and serve God uh, and what God is leading us to do. And we're told we can't, we're not good enough. And so I know there was a process that you had to work through to get to the point where your validation didn't come from man, but came from God. And we'll kind of talk about that in just a, a moment, but I would love to hear from Todd in terms of his perspective of watching his beloved wife go through this. How was that for you? It, it was it was very disorienting. Um, you know, I grew up like Tara. We grew up in the Pentecostal tradition, which has been ordaining women in ministry for over a century. It's not exactly this new, you know, progressive agenda. It's it's a very old practice that you know the Pentecostal tradition was was 
founded on and, and rooted in the, the ministry of women like Amy Semple McPherson and Catherine Coleman and Agnes Osmond. And even in my own life, I grew up with very strong women that, that taught, that preached. Uh, one of the legendary figures uh, in my hometown of Flint, Michigan, was a pastor by the name of Bernice Matijic, who, who was just lovingly referred to as Sister Matijic. She was just a legend that pastored, um, senior pastor to church in the city for uh, nearly 40 years. And so here we get, we get to college and very much kind of in this, you know, bubble of being, you know, of that, that dynamic that women can, can and should uh, walk out whatever call God has placed on their lives. Um, it, that's consistently reinforced. But then to get into the real world, there were two things that really I had to to wrestle with. The first was watching her walk through the the pain and the trauma of ministry because it's very disorienting um, for for anyone. But in the, on this specific subject for women to have, you know, kind of this theological foundation that says what they can do, whatever God has called them to do. But then in practice, our churches don't always live up to that. And so there, there it's almost like this kind of gaslighting of a calling that, that says, you know, Hey, you can do this, but low key, just kidding. We're, you know, we're not actually serious about that. And, but then there was a second uh, dynamic that I had to wrestle with, which was my own patriarchy. You know, I grew up, you know, kind of, you know, especially as an early, you know, 20 something, just arrogant and just thinking I was the best advocate for women in ministry. And then I would often find there were times where I brought assumptions into our marriage that actually establish barriers for her. Um, and I talk about that in in my book, Your Daughter Shall Prophesy, that, you know, things like, you know, I, you know, fully expected that she would, you know, walk out her calling, but I also, you know, didn't want to sacrifice, you know, her being a support in my calling and, and things of that sort and had to, to untangle some of my own uh, practices that, that kept her down and that disadvantaged her. But then also uh, ways in which that I, I out of a ser- sincere desire to help, actually hurt. And you know, there were things that I would, you know, do that were uh, rooted in a desire to actually help empower, but actually serve to uh, to disempower and to to remove authority. And so, one of the things that I address in in the book, I devo- devote a whole chapter to kind of when helping hurts. You know, steal from another book title, but that there are things that what I found was that often, you know, and like Tara said, there are you know a lot a lot of you know there are men in egalitarian churches that just simply aren't actually egalitarian. But I think a lot of men genuinely desire to empower the women in their lives. They they want women to walk out the call that God has placed on them, but there's often unspoken patriarchy. There's unspoken uh, tendencies and habits and things that we do that actually serve to disempower the women around us and we don't even realize it. And so my heart was, you know, in, in writing the book was not, you know, this, hey, I've got it all figured out. So here, you know, here, let me bless you with my wisdom, but was instead kind of this, this, uh, continuing conversation. It was the beginning of a continuing conversation of this is what I've learned throughout the last 15 years of pastoral ministry, not simply being a pastor, but also a pastor's husband. And this is how, you know, my, my helping has hurt. Th- these are some of the areas in which I've learned and grown, 
but this is still an unfolding process. And I think sometimes people, especially pastors, were often uh, reluctant to talk about the the areas that we're that we still struggle in. You know, we love talking about the victories that we've had in the past. You know, especially the distant past. You know, we're 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 more open about you know that stuff the longer in the past it is. But the things that we're still struggling with, you know, that we can actively hurt women, that we can actively disempower women and unintentional or not, whether or not it was intentional, doesn't uh, remove us from having to reconcile with that and having to uh, walk in repentance toward doing our best to amplify the voice in place of women. Mm, wow, that was a spiritual pruning, maturing process that you described right there, Todd. And watching him go through that terror, what was that like for you to kind of see his transformation unfold? I think that it was unbelievable for a while because I was always waiting for like that shoe to drop where there were times where, where I would feel empowered by him and then he'd kind of regress. And then he would like be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that. And then he would take a step forward and then there'd be a little bit of regression. And so it was actually a rebuilding of trust. I feel like that we had to go through just as a couple, like in the privacy of our home of having conversations. And and it it took me having to not believe the worst in him. Like I had to believe the best that um, God was working on him. And it may not have been at the pace that I wanted it to look like, but there was also pruning in me that had to happen as well. And so I think to sum it up, it's, it's been painful. Like it's been a painful journey. It's been a healthy kind of pain because it's led towards growth. It has built up and not torn down, but it's, it was a lot of um, just dying to the flesh um, for both of us of just going, okay, I'm not going to try to, because there came a point where we were, especially in our church plant, where it was like, it became this like, well, I'm going to stand for my rights. And he was like, well, I'm going to stand for my rights. And then it actually became like a battle of like, who's in charge? Like who, rather than a mutual submission to one another, which actually is like the godly way to do it. Hey, family, thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. And if you are a woman in ministry, this topic that we're discussing today hits close to home because you know that there are so many glass ceilings out there for us in ministry. But things are changing and it's changing with us today. We are no longer going to sit by and allow others to hold us back from what God is calling us to do. And this is why I created a membership community called Women in the Ministry because I know how hard it is to be a woman who has a call that's outside the walls of the church. I want you to have every ounce of support that you need, whether it's through prayer, encouragement, training, and resources to help you to live out your call and to do so boldly for the kingdom of God. So if you are looking for support because you're tired of living out this journey alone, I encourage you to visit womenintheministry.com for more information. Again, that is womenintheministry.com. Now let's get back to the show. Say a little bit more about mutual submission because that's that's good, Tara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like the, it came to the, it really comes down to like dying to our own flesh and recognizing that the other person truly has the benefit 
of the other one in mine. And instead of it being just fighting for my rights and protecting myself and protecting my territory, and this is my department and this is who I, you know, have report to me and him doing the same thing, it became a like, where, what is God speaking to you? Like he doesn't just work in Todd in one department. He works in him in multiple areas of his life that bleeds out. Like we were meant to co-lead together. Like that was God had something special for me. He had something special for Todd. And it doesn't look exactly alike. We still do our own separate things, but it's also together. And it's recognizing and humbling ourselves and laying down our own pride and saying, hey, like what is God doing in you? How can I support that? And him going, hey, what is God doing in you? How can I advocate for that? What do you need me to do? And sometimes it looks as simple as I've got a lot of meetings and I need you to make dinner tonight. <laughs> you know, some of it's as as simple as him saying, hey, can you just get the kids out because I'm trying to finish this chapter or, you know, like there it's, it's sometimes it's just very simple, like egalitarian practices within the home where we lay our, aside our own agendas for the sake of the other person. And that doesn't just go one way. It goes both ways. And that I think is the key. And I think that there's, there's a, a dynamic of learning to, that there's a return on that kind of investment that we, you know, and a lot of it comes down to how we, how we think about power in, you know, in our, we, we can look at power, whether that's in a positional situation in our church or in a work environment or in, uh, in our home, we can look at power as a scare, a scarce resource, um, like pie, you know, if, you know, you get a bigger piece, that means I inevitably get less that I can, that I can have, you know, and we, we tend to hoard power often out of, you know, because power gives us, um, affirmation, power gives us security, uh, power gives us all, all sorts of things that that tap into and that 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 insulate us from some of our deepest fears and longings. Um, and so we are often reluctant to give away power because it feels like a loss. It feels like a scarce resource that we're giving away. But in the kingdom, power doesn't work that way. You know, power is an unlimited resource when that power derives not from keeping others down or climbing social hierarchies, but from the spirit of God, yeah. you know, the, the, the Holy spirit is omnipotent. He's all powerful. That, that means that that power from the spirit is an unlimited resource. And what that looks like then in practical terms is that when we, when we derive our power, our validation, our security from the Holy spirit, we can give it away. And at, it still feels a little bit like a loss at times. You know, when I, when I have to stop what I'm doing to, you know, attend to something that she needs in order to help her, or whether I give, you know, I pass on a speaking engagement, you know, for a woman in our church or for her, that feels like a loss. It's a loss of opportunity. It's a lot, you know, all of these things. But in reality, that comes around. You know, the, the economy of the kingdom is as such to where when we invest in the lives of others, when we give power away, when we give opportunity away, that always comes back on us in, in some way, shape or form. I, I in, in the book, I, I talk about how, you know, there was a situation I was within an organization and I passed on some opportunity for me to hoard some praise uh, for someone that was working for me, a woman. She had just done fantastic work and I had the opportunity. I, I could have taken credit for it. Nobody would have known. It would look great on me. But instead, I, I was very intentional about 
you know, this, this is who's responsible for this. And by the way, you know, we need to keep an eye on her because she's got, you know, great potential. And when I announced that I was writing this book, she was one of the first people to reach out and say, Hey, whatever you need, you know, I'll I'll help promote it. I'll help, you know, market it, all things that I'm not all, all that great at. But it was uh, it was a, a great way of just illustrating and recognizing that kind of, that you know God rewards us when we're conduits of His power instead of you know containers hoarding it. And that was one of the things of learning learning even in our marriage that you know if what feels like a temporary loss is actually not a loss at all. Yeah. It's an investment. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that, Todd. And. Before we dive into some of the main principles in your book, I did want to ask Tara, what were some of the steps that you took to heal from all the trauma and pain you went through? Yeah, I I grieved. Like I allowed myself to grieve. I think that's a big thing. Um, not trying to act like I had it all together. I grieved with the right people. I was very careful to make sure that I tried my best to really safeguard just the sanctity of our home and even the ministry, just knowing like there were some people that just were on different levels of their journey. They were new to the, to the faith or they were, you know, they looked at me as, as like a, you know, somebody to look up to or that I was mentoring that didn't need me to bleed on them. I grieved, but I grieved with the right people. Um, I had mentors, I had close friends that I would talk to about it. I, I went to counseling. I, I did go to counseling. Like I, I needed to sit with someone and process and I needed to do it in a place that was safe that would look at me and say, wow, that was really screwed up. What happened to you? I'm so sorry. You know, like I needed somebody from the outside to, to look at my situation and go, wow, this was really painful. It's okay for you to be upset about that. Uh, because like Todd said, there is a lot of gaslighting in church. And um, one of the things that I would hear a lot was like, well, we just give everything for the sake of the gospel, just give everything. And it's like, well, God's never called us to abuse one another for the sake of the gospel. But I needed somebody from the outside to kind of help walk me through that. Um, and, and I had spiritual mentors. I have, you know, my youth pastors have been with me since I was 14 years old and to this day are still a part of our lives. And we actually named our youngest daughter after them. Like they're so involved and, and they've championed me, but they've also watched me walk through a lot of pain and counseled me through that and been there in that process. And I think there also came a point in the healing journey where I had to, I had to recognize like, okay, this happened to me, but I am not a victim and I don't need to be pitied. Like this is something that God is using to, you know, he's using this to hone me. He's using this to develop me. And he's he's opening my eyes to some of the brokenness of the world. So I have greater compassion as I'm ministering to other people. And and to say that that the healing journey is over would be false. That's not true. You know, like I'm still in the process. Anytime something happens, there is a temptation for it to trigger something that has happened in the past or things that have have taken place. And I have to go, I'm not going to let that trigger my own, like the brokenness that God's healed me from. And I'm going to work through, I'm going to look at the best intentions of what is that person doing? What are they saying? Is this, is this really their heart or am I reading into it through my own pain and my own trauma. I think, you know, one of the things that big revelation for me was realizing that part of the reason why why this is so traumatic for for women it's specifically and I'll just refer to that because I'm a woman and this is my journey that that I'm talking about is 
we we so closely hold what God has spoken to us as like personal revelation from the Lord. It is it is validation from our heavenly Father. And when someone attacks our calling, it's not just attacking our calling. It's not just attacking our identity. It's attacking the argument that we have the right to hear from God himself. And it questions whether or not we have the ability to do that. And so I had to really work through and um, wrestle through whether I really felt like I could hear from God um, or if I needed other people to tell me that I could hear from God. And I'm 100% all for, you know, having accountability and having, you know, good checks and balances when it comes to, you know, this is what I feel like God is saying and who are the right people that I can process that with and discern that, that with. But I also recognize that when I'm in my devotional time and God is speaking to me and he's putting dreams in my heart and he's, um, he's talking to me about the things he wants to heal, that, that there is no man or woman that can tell me that God isn't speaking to me in that moment because my relationship is with him. And so walking through the process of kind of like tearing that apart and, and recognizing that there can be community and community is so important, but community isn't isn't the entirety of my relationship with God, that there is like this mutual um, relationship that comes with my personal relationship with God and community together. And that's where the beauty lies. Um, and so it, it's been a journey. It's been a, a long journey that I feel like I'm still working through to this day. And I to say I have it figured out would be false because, you know, who knows what tomorrow will bring. But I feel like it's just been a humbling recognition of not having to have it all together and recognizing that I'm not perfect and that God's still taking me through this journey, just like he's taking other people through the journey. So when things happen, I have to recognize that this actually might not be about me. It might be some of the processes that other people are walking through as well. That's so helpful, Tara. I appreciate your vulnerability and transparency around still being on the journey because that's real. We are constantly in a state of healing because life happens and there's old wounds that might be, you know, someone might try to scab at, right? But we continue to come back to God and ask him to help us through the process. And so that's beautiful, Tara. And my brother, Todd, I am so intrigued by you because not only uh, did you do the work around uh, this to address patriarchy and certain mindsets you might have had that caused injury, but you went so far as to write a book on this topic. I want to know why. What made you decide to write the book and what lessons did you want to share with the world when you decided to write it? Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of it arose as, as you know, we've both kind of alluded to out of our personal experience um, of recognizing I want. So there were there were kind of two aims in, in writing the book. The first was to demonstrate, however imperfectly, that it's it's actually very OK and, and very necessary when we're doing the work of repentance, um, whether that's an issue like patriarchy, whether it's racism, whatever it is to be. Uh, open and honest about our shortcomings, because in sharing those, those, you know, the mistakes that we've made, the places where we've, you know, messed up, um, it, it not only empowers us to bring to the surface when we explicitly state things, there's an accountability factor. Like I have a published book on, on my journey. There's an accountability to that, you know, for the rest of my life, but it, it also invites, and my hope is that it invites other men to be just honest about you, you can, you know, even, you know, 
uh, in the process of writing the book and since writing the book, we've had conversations that, that touch on some of the themes of the book um, because I'm still a work in progress. And that's, I think that's necessary to, to demonstrate that it's, it's okay for, um, you know, for a man, you know, who's a lead pastor and has a conversation with a female associate pastor or whatever, that you can be honest about the fact that, you know, when it's, it's tough, it's painful to listen to your shortcomings. It's been, you know, it was very tough as, as she's been, you know, processing and, you know, kind of on her healing journey, it's been, it, it hurts to hear how I've hurt her, you know, and that's never an easy thing to walk through, but it's, it's a necessary pain for growth to take place. The, the second thing and more practically is I think that often our, egalitarian theology in, you know, in uh, among movements like uh, Pentecostalism, uh, the Methodists, the Nazarenes, et cetera, et cetera, that, that empower women in ministry, often our theology can act as a cover um, that excuses practices that actually inhibit women from walking out their calling. And so we can, we often stop short of just saying, well, we believe women can be in ministry and not recognize that you know, what we believe and how we live often aren't in alignment with one another. So we can have the best of intentions, but if we're not taking a long, uh, like a long and in-depth look at our practices and how it, dis how they often disempower women, then, uh, then we're not, we're not actually, we're not actually living up to our theology. And so my hope was in writing this book that I would kind of marry my experience and then also uh, kind of uh, some rooted in good scholarship, good research, good um, case studies. I interviewed a lot of uh, female uh, pastors and missionaries and organizational heads and cite a lot of their work throughout the book. There would be some practical steps, some practical uh, tips and tools that um, that men would have uh, and that women would have to encourage dialogue um, to, uh, to heal some of that brokenness that, um, that our theology often covers. And so it's been it's been good to hear. I think some of my my favorite testimonies have been uh, from pastors and church leaders and everyday Christians that are you know in in the marketplace of you know the, we we got the book and we sat down and, and my husband and I had a conversation or you know we've been talking about this as a church staff and it's created a lot of dialogue for me. It's like that was the dream come true is that it would foster some dialogue that will hopefully promote healing from past wounds that, that have, have, uh, been there. Mm, that's awesome. Todd share the name of your book and where people can grab a copy. Yeah. So it's, it's called your daughter shall prophesy amplifying the voice and place of Christian women. And, uh, it's available online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere online that books, uh, are, are sold. It's also available on my website, toddcorpy.com. Um, and then, uh, there's, you know, a link to a bunch of other stuff that I've got going on and, and whatnot there as well. But, that's great. I encourage everyone to pick up a copy. And I, I'm praying that God is able to use this to foster healing and to change culture, uh, which needs a lot of healing. Uh, and so I offer you both an opportunity uh, to just share any final remarks or words of encouragement for those who are listening or watching today. Yeah, I think if there's anything that I could encourage women um, as you're pursuing God's call on your life, it would be to stand fast in that. Don't doubt what God has spoken into your life. Don't question um, the, the dreams that he has given you. Stand firm in them. Stay humble and join arms with other women. 
Um, we are not enemies. We are not competitors. We are linking with one another and pushing and advancing the kingdom forward. And so don't view other women as a threat. View other women as your your co-laborers and sisters that are that are pushing the kingdom of darkness back as we enhance you know heaven here on earth and so stay strong in what god has called you to do and and champion other women that are doing the same thing yeah and i i would say to the to the men develop uh, one of the greatest skills that you can develop in life is one of a posture of listening and that's different than hearing you know we often you know i one of my biggest continuous struggles is i will hear what my wife is saying i will hear what other people are saying but i'm not actually listening you know i'm not taking the time to to mentally digest and for it to bury into my heart to to weigh the weightiness of what's being said but if if we can develop a posture of listening to the experiences of others, um, even even those that with whom we disagree, uh, that's a tremendously powerful tool that the Holy Spirit can cultivate within us to promote uh, human flourishing, to promote healing, to promote change. Um, and all, all it takes is, is literally us having the, the humility and the openness to open ourselves to the experiences of others, especially those who are not of the same walk of life, who are of the opposite gender, who are of a, a, a different uh, ethnicity or race, uh, to open ourselves up to those kind of experiences, uh, to weigh that um, with the discerning voice of the Holy Spirit. God can do amazing things in our lives, in our churches, and in in the in broader society if we develop that posture. And I think uh, the on us, women are a lot better at that skill often than than we are. I think a lot of the on us of promoting that change rests on us as men. That's so helpful. Oh, I appreciate you both. I believe you're such a powerful couple that is for the kingdom of God. And so thank you for what you're doing. Continue uh, to bring this mission forward, this message forward and help others. Uh, and so thank you for being on the show today. Thank you Thanks, so much Jocelyn. for having us. We appreciate us. it. Yes, yes. And I thank you all for tuning into today's episode of Faith on the Journey. I hope it was a blessing for you. And if it was, you know what to do. Please leave a five-star review and write a little message. I read each and every one of them. And so thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for a Christian counselor, visit our website. If you're looking for some training to help your church to become more trauma-informed, to heal from instances and circumstances like this, visit our website at faithonthejourney.org. So that is it for this week, family. Until next time, you stay encouraged and you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family. Mm -hmm.